It's Robin Marshall, America's number one sugar mom. Firstly, I went to see my kids, which is always an experience, <laughs> not necessarily because of the kids, but because of me. This trip was supposed to be my birthday present from all of my kids. They pitched in and they bought me a ticket, and I basically had to shame them into following through. I would say to them, "Hey, I can't tell you the dates at this point because I'm starting a new medication. I was starting a new chemo kind of drug." So let me try the medication for a few weeks, get used to it, find out what the side effects are, and all that other kind of stuff, and then I'll tell you when I'm ready. So I get through a few weeks, I give them the date, and a week goes by, and I say to them all in a group chat, "Um, has anybody booked me a flight? I've not heard from anybody." And everybody starts talking at once. Mom, it's too expensive. We're trying to see other flights and other ways to bring you in. And I'm like, what? I said, you all have money in your savings accounts that I've contributed to. I know what's in your accounts. You can't each take a hundred dollars out of your accounts to buy your mother a birthday present to come see your ass. So the text went silent, and I waited. And the eldest then writes me separately and says, "Mom, let's be rational." I'm about to like strangle her. She says, "Pick three dates, maybe in June or July, and we'll bring you in then, because then the girls can afford it maybe a little more easier." I felt like my brains were going to shoot through the top of my head. Honestly, I said to her, "This means." By the time we get to that date, I will not have seen you for six months. You're okay with that? And then the group chat starts again. Well, Mom, we never said we weren't going to get you the ticket you suggested or the date and the time that you offered. We were just looking at other options. I said, well, while you're looking at other options, you're just increased the price of this ticket by a hundred and fifty dollars. Silence again. And then I just decided to throw in the little ding at the end. Talk to your sister. She seems to think you're bringing me in in June or July. <laughs> Nothing like starting a war between your children. <laughs> and then one bounces back and says, "Mom, not everybody thinks the way everybody else does." And she's referring to my daughter. By the time it was all done, and this is like your typical family bullshit, right? Like mother shaming children into doing the right job. When does that ever end? By the time it was all done, they wound up booking the flight that I asked them to book, paid a hundred fifty more than they should have, and I was just, you know, about a week or so out from the trip, <laughs> and I'm on this new medication, and I'm I'm doing fine, except for the fact that I'm scattered. I just, if I put something down one place and I turn around to answer a phone. I don't remember where I put the thing that I just put down because when I look back miraculously, it's not there anymore. I hide things purposely so that I'll remember where they are and that I don't lose them, and then I don't remember where I've hidden the things, important things like money, my car keys. I'm doing all kinds of crazy shit like this, and it's it's mind-boggling. I wanted to make a list of all the things that have been bothering me that I've forgotten to talk to you about, but I can't remember what would be on the list. I mean, it's pathetic. Let me just tell you this: I must have had one hell of a night 
before the morning that I went to the airport. I don't even remember that morning what must have happened because when I got back home, and there's lots to throw in there in between, but just let me tell you, when I walked in my house with this man who I'd spent the night with and had taken me to the airport, as if I wasn't frazzled enough before the trip, when I walked into my bedroom and I saw the condition that I left my house, I said to myself, what the hell happened in here? And I turned and I looked at him and I said, were you here the night before I left town? I said, didn't you take me to the airport? And he's looking at me like I'm crazy. I said, no, I'm really serious because this is a shit show here in this room. He says, yeah, honey, I'm the one that took you to the airport. And yeah, you were a little bit rushed in the morning. And I said, a little bit rushed? You should have seen. I have a rack that holds my wigs from when I had lost my hair a couple years back. I have it screwed into the wall in my closet. And all you see are like six different heads of hair hanging from these hooks. And it fell down. And I remember picking it up, putting it back in the wall. And I went to take something else off a hanger. And the goddamn thing fell again. And I looked at it and I just said, screw it. So I walked in and found a million things of hair all over my closet. That was one. I found one high-heeled shoe at the end of my bed, and I found the other high heel across the room. Like, how in the world did that happen? I don't even want to know. Everything was everywhere. Total chaos. And that's when I realized I couldn't find my car keys. Now, this takes me to the beginning of the story. You know, the good stuff that I left out. I go to the airport after being dropped off after having the night that I don't remember, okay? And I'm stressed because it's not just me that's traveling. It's these two little dogs of mine that are supposed to be like six and seven pounds each that weigh a hundred pounds in that little case that I carry them in. I don't know why they feel so heavy, but it's like I feel like my whole body is turned sideways, like being pulled because it's so heavy, that case. Anyway, so I have to go through security. I have to give them the dogs. They have to walk them around. And we go into this office and then we take the dogs out. It's a whole big ordeal. Plus the fact I have metal hips that ding. Even if I'm TSA, I'm still screwed, right? I have to take my shoes off. It's just nerve wracking because I can't seem to control. I can't catch my breath. I'm on medications that are screwing with my head. Some of the side effects are shortness of breath, fatigue, anxiety. You know, I'm already type A. If I can't function properly because I'm not thinking straight, how am I going to survive? I can't keep asking people to take me places or make decisions for me. And it's not that I'm getting older. I know it's not that. It is this medicine. So let me jump to the good part. After I badgered the shit out of my children to buy me this ticket that was owed me as a birthday present, let's not forget, here I am with the dogs, made it through security, and I am huffing and puffing, and I finally get to the gate, and I think I'm going to have a heart attack. Honest to God, I thought to myself, you're the same woman that a month ago was playing racquetball every other night and doing sit-ups, and doing laps, and walking, and all this kind of stuff. Where did she go? I caught my breath, and I got myself back together, and I read my book a little bit. I looked at my phone, and I'm waiting to board the plane. 
and then they call my section. I get up, I grab the dogs, I grab my coat, my suitcase, whatever I had. I grabbed and I went and I handed the woman my ticket for her to scan it. And she goes to scan it. She says to me, honey, you're not going to Cleveland. And I looked at her like she had three heads. I said, what? She says, this flight is going to Cleveland. You're at the wrong gate. So as a result, I missed my flight. The flight that I fought to have with my children, I missed it. I went running to the gate because I realized my mistake, obviously. I was just told that I'm a moron. I'm running with these dogs and my bags. I get to the gate and there's nobody there. I said to the person behind the counter, I take it this flight left and he looks at the wall behind him and he looks at his watch. He goes, oh yeah, like 10, 15 minutes ago. And the thing that's so upsetting is that I was there. It's not like I missed the flight because I was running to try and catch a flight. I was sitting there like an idiot at the wrong gate. So I had a little diversion. I had to catch the next flight instead. The good part of that was my luggage arrived before I did. (laughs) My kids weren't thrilled. I had to eat a little crow over that one, but I made it. Which then proceeds to the next part of the story. I spent three and a half days with up to eight kids at a time, four of which are mine, and the others are boyfriends. The only one missing was my son. Six dogs, two of which are completely out of control, and mine, which is no picnic, and my ex-husband. And there you have it. Can you imagine that? For three and a half days. And my whole point of wanting to make that trip was so that I could have an hour with each kid individually to just sit and listen to what's going on in their lives. Not sit on a phone, not FaceTime, just face-to-face, in person, watching their expressions, hearing their breathing patterns, seeing the little dimples that pop out when something funny is said. You know, that one-on-one mother-daughter So when that kind of thing happens, you forget about all the bad stuff, all the crazy stuff that got you to that point. You're just happy to be sitting across from your child and know that you got three more to go (laughs) to get through. (laughs) I learned so much about my kids this trip. I also learned that I'm just scattered. I would leave one room, put my glasses down. I'd walk around the other. I'd come back to look for my glasses. It was the same thing. I could never find anything. And my kids noticed it. And my ex raised an eyebrow. You know that look? Like, what's wrong with you? That look? I mean, the bottom line is, I've spent the last 50 plus years trying to be a mature woman who does stand with her shoulders back and makes big, huge, monumental decisions, not just for myself, but for people I love, people that work for me. I mean, I've gotten myself to a point where some might say I'm a force to contend with, but now I feel helpless, like I'm always floundering. I don't feel like what I describe a sugar mom to be. I'm hesitant, not sure-footed, It's not me, and I want that person back. And oddly enough, it's not in business where I have these issues. It's in my personal life, my personal space, where I can't remember what I have to do today or what I'm supposed to do tomorrow. I even stood a guy up because I forgot about the date. I felt so terrible. 
I didn't even see it until 10 days later online, where he says to me, have a nice life. I've never had this happen to me before. I mean, I wrote him back and I apologized up and down and, and I said, I'm just going through a rough time and I, I did not do that intentionally. It's just my personal life. In my house, all my stuff, my habits, dating, nothing is seamless anymore. I can't remember many, many things. I stopped dating for a little while because I couldn't remember what man I had gone to dinner with at this place or who this person was on my phone because I didn't put proper notes beside their name and when they'd call, I wouldn't know who they were. Bottom line, I've decided to go out and buy a real paper calendar. Forget the on-your-phone crap because every time I enter something, it doesn't take. I'm probably doing it wrong, but I want to go back to old-fashioned paper. Write everything down with a red pen. Circle the days that really matter that are coming up so I can at least keep track of my own life, let alone those that might be coming in to see me or people that work for me that need a day off. And they already know if they need the day off, they have to tell me three times. <laughs> they all know it. <laughs> it's not the work that I'm having problems with. It's their schedules and mine. It's just ridiculous. And the thing is, if I continue on this medication, I can't see myself getting any better. I mean, you might as well just put me in the middle of a room, put a blindfold on me, turn me around and say, go, pin the tail on that donkey. It's exactly how I feel. I even had an accident. Now, that was not my fault, but still, I might have been able to prevent it a little better if I was paying closer attention. I don't really know. All I know is my car has gone to the 27th. Damn it. It's my favorite part. I love my car. Hm. It's just another thorn in my side. I went out to dinner with the man that I mentioned earlier that took me to the airport that I forgot I was with. Remember him? God. A new person in my life that is dealing with me in this mental capacity. Lord have mercy on him. That's all I can say. We went to a nice restaurant, and I chose that restaurant because I knew we could dance on the dance floor, like a quiet little Italian Sinatra kind of place with a little postage stamp dance floor for slow dancing. Well, when I came back from the trip, we were talking about that restaurant, and I said, yeah, but we never danced. And he looked at me again with that look I'm so used to receiving nowadays. He says, we did too. I said, no, we didn't. He says, Robin, you really don't remember dancing with me at that restaurant with that lady behind the piano. And I stopped everything. And I realized there are trigger words. All you have to do is give me one descriptive word about a time that I have been involved in. And it brings it all back. And I could picture the woman singing and smiling at us as we danced. But before that, I would have sworn we didn't. I really need to get a grip on this. In between all of this, my numbers are all over the place. I feel fine. Oh, let me not forget, I had the flu. Thursday night, I went out to dinner with this man. First time I ever met him. And I felt great. Like I had no problems physically. I wasn't sick. I was well. 
I had gotten some rough news from the doctor that my numbers were climbing up a little bit. So, you know, I did talk to him about that towards the end of the night. The next morning, I woke up, went to work, sat here at my studio desk, and boom, like a ton of bricks. I felt like someone just slapped me in the face. I started to shake. I mean, uncontrollably. Spiked fever, sat on the living room couch for probably four hours. No TV, no book, no phone. Just sat there because I didn't know what to do with myself. I figured the minute I'd touch a keyboard, I'd say the wrong thing to somebody. So I restricted myself. It's one thing to be out of control. It's another to be out of control when you're really, really sick. That wiped about five days out of my life. I don't know if you've suffered from the flu this year. And I did have a flu shot. I'm going to wind this up by telling you something that just recently happened that was probably one of the most shocking revelations, proud moments, heartfelt and disbelieving in my life. After everything I've just told you, I did get to spend an hour with each one of my kids. Many of the things we spoke of brought tears from my children, important issues that we just hadn't been able to connect on with each other via mechanical messaging. As a result, one of them had a paper to write, an essay. Two of my kids are graduating from college May 5th. You talk about killing two birds with one stone. It's like an instant raise for me. I've only got one left. But anyway, one of her papers that was due in order for her to graduate was on someone who was inspirational with leadership qualities in her life. And she told me that she chose me as the example. I was floored. I really was. I mean, I was so taken aback. This is my middle child. I call her my mini me. (laughs) which made it even more important because I always thought it was just me that felt that way. But I guess it is reciprocated. Sometimes when we're away from our kids, we feel abandoned. We feel that they're not thinking of us, that they could live without us, where at the same time, they may be thinking the same thing about me or you. They do need us and they do miss us. And we have to stop thinking for them. And just if we feel neglected, we need to open our mouths and say, hi, I'm missing you, you know? So she writes this paper and she sends me the final copy last night. And as I read this thing, I just couldn't believe that she paid attention to my life and understood certain things that I had done that I never put in anybody's face. You know, I have this podcast None of them were thrilled with my podcast called Sugar Mom because they looked at it the wrong way. They didn't understand that it wasn't necessarily about sex. I cover everything that's inside a woman's mind. And then I had that mini series called Lemons to Lemonade. And this is what she's talking about. And this is when I was going through the ovarian cancer stage, the first time when I had surgery. I did this entire series for women to listen to to help them to be more proactive, go to the doctor, don't wait to the last minute, check your genetics, all this stuff. And I told the day-by-day blows of what it was like to live in this environment with this illness. And it wasn't a 
sappy, come pat me on the back kind of story. It was invigorating. It was inspirational. And part of her essay was saying that her mom created this podcast and this blog, and she writes and talks to women and that she's saved lives. Other women have written to her and said, thanks to you, I went to the doctor and now they caught this in time and story after story, which is true. And it makes me feel like a million dollars when a woman calls to let me know. But it made me feel like 10 million that my own daughter recognized it. I was really surprised. She wrote all kinds of things about leadership and things that I have done in my life. And oddly enough, the one thing that she didn't put in this paper, which made me laugh, and I did tell her about it afterwards, she didn't say that I had been on the air as a DJ in New York City for 25 years and that I sort of snuck my way in. You know, I had a fake tape and a fake resume and I made it. They just needed somebody and I happened to be there at that time and I said I knew how to do it all, which I didn't, but that would be a good thing to put in a leadership paper. <laughs> Lie your way to the top <laughs> or fake it. <sighs> but uh, she really hit on some very poignant spots that took my breath away and made me feel like I did the right job. I think that's what we need as moms. Every once in a while, if one of our kids would just acknowledge that we have done the right job, God, I mean, all those years of banging your head against the wall, wondering, wishing, not being able to wait till they can think like an adult and not being the woman that's constantly harping on this child to fix their life or do something or be something. We just wait and wait for them to grow up, and then they do. And then we sort of miss what they used to do. Not that much, but it lightens up. And after a while, especially if you've lost your own parents, you want to hear words from people that you care about, especially your family. You want to hear I'm proud of you, Mom. You did a great job with me. I could still use your advice. I love you, Mom. I mean, aren't those magical words to hear from your child? Someone that you have raised, that you've made a difference with? Well, she did it for me with that paper. And man, I never regretted a minute of being her mom. That's for sure. She never gave me a reason to step back and say, what the hell have I done? <laughs> she was my easy kid. <laughs> and now she's an even better kid. Yeah, she buttered me up. But that's okay. She can butter me up anytime she wants. I love her. Well, I think I'm going to call it right here and wish you a tremendously wonderful week. I'm just glad to be home. And then I'm leaving again over the weekend to go to Las Vegas. One of my mom's dearest friends and her husband have invited me to join them. And I'm really excited to meet up with them because I've got no family left, except for my kids. And they're sort of like surrogate aunt and uncle to me. And uh, it's my tie, you know, my last tie to my mom. And every time I see them, which is very rare... They call me by my mom's name <laughs> because they get mixed up. 
I'm not the only one. <laughs> because I sound exactly like her. My attitude is just like her. Honest to God, if I look in the mirror, I see her. There are so many things now that I wish I could tell her. Mom, you were right. I don't know why I didn't see it before. I know it's too late, but if you're still there, please just hear me when I say, I understand, and I miss you, and I miss your words of wisdom. If your mom is still alive, and you do love her, and she is inspirational, this might be a good time to go. Call. Go see her. Tell her. Tell her how much you love her. Tell her how much she's meant to you. They're not here forever. Your daddy too. Have a wonderful week. I'll be thinking about you. It's Robin Marshall, Sugar Mom.